If you've experienced a DNA surprise, you know that your emotions can range from shock to denial to grief to anger to confusion to joy and around again. And sometimes it's hard to find people who understand this unique experience. Sometimes we feel a little stuck as we navigate this journey. That's why we created the DNA Surprise Retreat. At the DNA Surprise Retreat, you'll enjoy six expert-led sessions to help you process your DNA surprise. You'll eat delicious catered meals, and most importantly, you'll build beautiful friendships with people who understand you, all in a stunning private ranch facility in the Arizona desert. If you've had shocking DNA test results, know that you're not alone. This retreat is for you. Join us September 19th through the 22nd, 2024 in Phoenix, Arizona. Registration is open now. Reserve your space at dnasurpriseretreat.com. I'll see you there. He said it didn't matter. I, I was expecting rejection. I was expecting him to be like, like highly upset. He was just like, it doesn't matter. He goes, that is a technicality. And him and my uncle kept saying it. It's a technicality. And I just kept thinking, but it's not a technicality. All my medical is wrong. All my, like, like, I kept thinking of like the different things, like everything is wrong. And they're my family and I love them. And that, that won't change. Like they, they will, I will always be there for them. They're my family. But I have this other family that I hadn't known. Imagine spitting into a tube, sending off your DNA, and unknowingly turning your life upside down. For me and thousands of others, this is our reality. I'm your host, Alexis Auerselt. In July of 2021, I discovered that I am an NPE, someone who has experienced a non-paternal event. In other words, my biological father isn't who I thought he was. This podcast shares the journeys of people who were shocked by a DNA discovery, mostly through modern DNA testing. We're telling the stories of NPEs, adoptees, and donor-conceived people and their families. This is DNA Surprises. NPEs come from all backgrounds, but all too often, the stories we hear involve childhood abuse. In this week's episode, Bianca shares her difficult journey to finding out that she is an NPE. First, a content warning. Bianca's story includes discussion of drug use, rape, and childhood abuse, and is not suitable for all listeners. If you, or anyone you know, are a victim of rape or sexual assault, please call the National Sexual Abuse Hotline at 1-800-656-4673. I've also included drug and child abuse resources in the show notes. Thank you for sharing your story, Bianca. Okay, I am Bianca Ramos. I am from New York. And I am 33 years old. So I was born in uh, Wayne, New Jersey. And my birth origin 
was weird from the beginning. So I don't have a birth certificate father. I have a father who raised me. And that's how I put it as always. Um, when I was born, my mom was still legally married to her ex-husband. And he had, they were separated and he had moved back to Puerto Rico. They weren't together. But because she was married in the state of New Jersey, I couldn't have the father who we thought was my father's last name or him on my birth certificate. So that kind of peeved my dad. Um, and I'm going to call him my dad and I'll call the other one, my, um, biological father. Um, I peeped my dad a lot. My mother was a drug addict, so they never lasted. I'm actually one of six kids and we all have different fathers. Mm. And my dad had met my mother, my biological mother, when she was three months pregnant with my oldest brother, then had my brother, Jason, and then had me. In between that time, she was cheating. And he didn't think that I wasn't his. He just, this is my baby girl. And that's how it is. And he's always been loving with me. My dad has, is an amazing man. He's had his issues, but he changed for us. And that's, you know, I respect him. My mom essentially abandoned us when I was four. Well, me and my older brother went to live with my father. We'll call him Jay. So me and Jay went to go live with my father. And my brother M went to go live with, with my grandparents. And we were separated, which was heartbreaking. And the day that we were separated, my brother, my oldest brother, my, well, my older brother, sorry, my older Jay was screaming and kicking in the car. I want to see my brother. I want to see my brother. It was trauma from the start. So my whole life from the beginning has been trauma because we were separated. And then my mom abandoned me. It's like, it never, it never stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, in first grade, I'll put this this way. In first grade, she showed up again. And when she showed up again, she had my little sister with her. So my little sister, I'll call her S. Um, my little sister S, she blonde haired, gorgeous little baby. And, but I felt some type of way though. Like I was like, you didn't want us. And now you have this little baby. Like what is going on? So she had the first three. Yeah. Jay. And then you, you and Jay stayed together to live with your dad. So me and Jay stayed together to live with my dad and went to my, my grandparents. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And at that time, (laughs) did you believe that you and Jay had the same dad? I did. I did. I was still little. So for me, it was, you know, that was my daddy. That's all I knew. Mm -hmm. And I didn't question it then. It wasn't until I was 11 years old. um, My mom re-entered the picture again. (laughs) And we went to North Carolina because my um, brother and my oldest brother had moved there with my grandparents. And we went for the summer to see my mom. She was doing great. She was off drugs. She seemed to be great. She was working um, for an auto parts store as a manager. We were like, yay, you know, mom's doing well. We were so happy. And we were so great, grateful to see our, my brother, our grandparents. The next summer, um, a little before the next summer, my uh, mom calls us. She's getting married to S's dad. And we were like, okay, great. She wanted me to be a bridesmaid. And, you know, my brother's a part of the wedding. We felt so happy for her. Like she was changing, cleaning up her life. Um, That was also the summer that I decided that I wanted to live with my mom. And my dad didn't take that very well. He basically just said to me, I don't 
I don't agree with this. You're going to regret it. Your mom is going to make a mistake and you're going to be put in the middle of this. You know, he was very adamant that he didn't want me to, but because he wanted me to be happy and he didn't want me to resent him, he agreed to it. And, you know, it took, it took a lot. So I went to live with her. I'm going to say within a month after living with her, um, I'm going to talk about something and I, um, I haven't really talked about it on camera in a very long time. Okay. So I came home from school one day and my mom was at the table with two men and there was a pile of drugs on the table. And she tells me, why don't you go to your room and start your homework? And, you know, uh, I'll be there in a second. And I was like, okay. So I went to do my homework. I changed, I was in pajamas and she comes into my room and she says, Hey, I want to talk to you about something. And I said, okay. So I sat with my mom and she says to me, um, you know, you're very pretty and uh, mommy needs you to do her a favor. And I said, okay, what do you need? And it was like, within seconds it happened. Um, my mom held me down and two men came into the room and assaulted me. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. And after they were done, she literally had to drag me to the bathroom, put me in the bathtub and told me to wash myself because I was dirty. And um, maybe a week or two later, I was sent back to my dad and my stepmom and I didn't tell them anything and not even my grandparents knew. I just said that I needed to go back home and I didn't tell anybody. Mm. I didn't tell anybody until I was about 18. And in between that time, I was a mess and I was rebellious and I hated everyone and everything. Nothing mattered. I think my teenage years and my high school years were the darkest years of my life. Mm, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Just take all the time you need. So when I was in high school, I viewed sex as without feeling. I said, if any, if somebody can do that to me without feeling, I can do it without feeling, right? That's how I felt. I didn't connect mm -hmm. love with a person unless it was family. And even then that was broken because of my mom. Like she literally ruined my life with that. So when I was 16 years old is when I met my, who would be my first husband. And he was an older man. And that was the first time I equated love with like a boyfriend, a man, like a, someone who I thought was going to love me and take care of me and take me away. So we didn't actually start dating until I was 18. Okay. I was working. He was 35 at the time I was 18 and we dated and we got married secretly. I was in and out of the house, not really, you know, living with my father at that point. I was staying with friends and I never told my dad that my dad and I got into an argument. This was during around the time that I was um, married and he didn't know. And I had never told him about um, the assault. Mind you, he knows nothing about the assault or my marriage. <laughs> I kept everything from him. We got into an argument and he says to me, you know, you, you, you're going in and out of the house. You're not doing this. You're not like we went at it. So I wrote him an email. I don't know. AOL was the big thing at that time, um, explaining everything, the assaults and how I felt and 
why it was so bad all those years as a teenager. And I've never seen my dad cry, not even at his brother's funeral. I've never seen this man cry. If he did, he went to the bathroom. He broke down and he kept telling me, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? And I kept telling him, how can I tell you that? I thought I was, it was my fault. I literally thought I was a piece of garbage mm. as a kid. Like those are the years where you're supposed to be thriving. You're going through puberty. You know, you're, you're figuring out who you are. And I was just trying to figure out why, when I was not going to be destroyed anymore. Yeah. So we were okay um, for a while. My dad and I, during that time, had a really like an on and off relationship as well. We, my stepmom and him were going through a divorce. And eventually I went through an annulment with my first husband. And it was because he was uh, physically abusive. It's a lot that I went through. And I think just like the generational curses just kept showing themselves. My mom was married at 18. I was married at 18. Her husband was abusive. My ex-husband was abusive. It was like, what the hell is going on, Bianca? You have to stop this. Mm -hmm. And during this time, were you, like after you left your mom, did you talk to her again? Was she still in your life? So she was in and out again. My brother, my oldest brother, M, mm -hmm. he um, had a child that died. And we went to the funeral. And at the funeral, she saw me and she was like, oh, you're so beautiful. Look how much you've grown. I'm like, nothing had happened. And I didn't say anything. And I was in high school. I didn't say anything. I was like, okay, I stay close to my, my stepmom because she's, she's my everything. I stay close to my stepmom and my stepdad. And I was only hanging out with like my, my brothers and my little sister if I you know, got a chance or my grandparents. I was trying to avoid her at all costs. Okay. After my annulment, I dated. I did. It didn't break me entirely. And I think telling my father kind of like made me feel a little bit like a weight had lifted off my shoulders. And I would, I was dating, you know, whatnot, but it wasn't until I met, um, my husband that my husband, now my husband, Richie, he's an angel. Like he's amazing man does everything for me and my, my two little girls. I met him in 2010. I was dating a cop at the time, but he hurt me on Valentine's day. <laughs> so <laughs> So Richie swooped in <laughs> and he started talking to me and we went on our first date on March 6th of 2010. Um, two weeks later, I met his parents. Uh, seven months later, I was pregnant with my daughter, Emily. <laughs> mm, wow. And yeah. And then in March of 2011, only a year after, I was married. Again, to Richie. I mean, that I think I was that was the happiest time of my life. Mm -hmm. There, right, like at some point, there's many more happy, but like that moment, I had a man who loved me, a man who cared for me. You know, I was having a little girl and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be, I'm going to be the opposite of my mother. I'm going to be the best mom I can to this baby. That's the only thing that was on my mind. Her first birthday comes around and I had started a new job that Monday. So that weekend was her birthday party. So Monday, Tuesday, on Wednesday afternoon, I get a Facebook message 
and it says, hi, my name is so-and-so and are you Lourdes's daughter? And I said, yeah, I am. I wanted to let you know that she doesn't have much time and that she's dying and she wants to see you. I said, what? Wow. I said a Facebook message. So I wrote back to her and I'll, I'll be very, I was very frank. I said, listen, I haven't spoken to my mom in years and she is not somebody that I want to speak to. I'll talk to my brothers and if they want to go see her, God bless. So she wrote back, okay. That was the end of the conversation. So I called my brother who I wasn't, my oldest brother, Adam. I wasn't having a very good relationship with him at that time, but I called him and I said, listen, I got this Facebook message. Mom is dying. I don't know what you want to do. I don't want to see her. If you want to go see her, it's okay. You can tell Jay as well. And he said to me, no, you are going to do what laundry you have to do tonight. You are going to make plans. You are going to tell your job that you will be out for the next two days because we are taking a trip to North Carolina and we're saying goodbye and we're saying what we need to because if you don't, we are going to regret it. And I was like, wow. I had to think about that. And I said, yeah, you're right. We're going to regret it. So I told my um, job that night, I spoke to my husband and I said, listen, tomorrow after work, I'm driving to North Carolina and I have to see my mom. And he was so upset. He was upset because he knew she had hurt me so much. Right. He's been protective. Exactly. He was so protective of me and I love him for it. But I always say, if you are not from a situation of trauma, like extreme trauma, you do, you can't understand why this needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we cried and, you know, he was just afraid and he understood after the fact that he was like, listen, I understand you have to do what you have to do. So I packed a bag. I took whatever money I had with me. And the next day my aunt picked me up. And drove me to New Jersey to meet up with my brothers because they had met up together. And we drove to North Carolina. I called it the road to perdition because it was basically one of the most solemn trips that you can take. So we get to North Carolina around 7 a.m. And my brother said, we have one or two options. We can rest, get some sleep, you know, be prepared. Or we can just pull off the Band-Aid and go see her right now. So let's pull off the Band-Aid. I don't want to prolong it any longer. So we all took showers, got ready, and drove to her house. Now, little disclaimer, my mom was dying from complications of AIDS. Okay. She had HIV when I was in high school. She went through years. I mean, the woman died maybe in her, she died in her 50s, I think, with no real help and just taking, taking drugs and sharing needles and, you know, not caring. And the fact, I, I swear she has an angel watching over her for all those years. And when we walked in, two brothers walk in first and they're like, you know, she goes, oh, hi, how are you? I walked in and I am the spitting image of my mother. I look like my mother. And she looks at me and she goes, oh my God, it's like looking in a mirror. And we sit down And she goes, she's talking to me about insurance paperwork because I was working for an insurance company at the time. She's like, do you think you can help me fill this out? And I'm looking at her like, what? No. Like we literally have to tell her point blank, mom, you're dying. Did she not realize that she was dying? 
she was oblivious and in her own little world. And while we were there, you know, I told her, we kept telling her like, well, my first thing was, you're my mother and I love you for bringing me into this world, but I hate you. Like I, I literally have disdain for you. You had six children that you didn't care for at all. And her response to me was, oh, but you had, you know, you had your father and your stepmother. So you had a good life. I was like, that's not the point. The point is, is that you decided that drugs were more important. And I understand drugs is a sickness. People are addicted. I get it. But I know many people who have done the same thing who have gotten, I, I went off on her. I said, I did have a good life with the parents that I had, but you are my mother and you are supposed to be a mother and you chose not to. And then you sit here with no remorse. Who does that? You know, I had a little sister who was adopted out right from the womb. Mm. So it's like, we are all displaced. Yeah. And she didn't get it. Like she just, she couldn't get one remorseful feeling from her body. I was like, I'm, I don't want to do this anymore. I kept calling my aunt, my dad, my stepmom, my husband. I was a mess. I kept running in and out of the house. I was a mess. Mm. I think my, my oldest brother M had to stop the conversations. And he literally said, I've made peace with the fact of who you are. We're going to go and this is the last time you're going to see us. I hope wherever you are, they, they show you mercy, basically. And we left. And is that the last time you talked to her? That is the last time that I talked to her. So she's done nothing but trauma from birth to death. And when was this that she passed? 2012. 2012. Okay. So September 19, 2012. My daughter was one years old. Yep. What led you to taking a DNA test and finding out about your father? I had a little bit of qualms about it during my teenage years. So I felt, and I love her to death. I love my grandmother to death, my father's mother. I felt that she treated me a little differently. And I'm not sure. I think it, I think it was more of like the Spanish thing where the, the boys got treated better than the girls. Mm -hmm. um, but something in me just felt off. And uh, another thing is that my father's, my father who raised me, the side of his side of the family are very petite people. They're not like me who is like Amazonian. So, <laughs> and it wasn't until, I don't know what it was like watching like those um, shows, long lost family and this and that something was starting to click and things weren't making sense. So I said to myself in October of 2020, 2021, I started looking into like ancestry, my heritage, like all the other, all these the different ones. And I said, I'm going to take my heritage. The test came up with, I think it was like 33, 33% Iberian, which is true because Puerto Ricans, it's Spain and Portugal, the invaders. Right. Um, the same thing with, with, you know, Mexico and, you know, other um, Spanish speaking, speaking countries. We didn't all speak Spanish at one point. We were native to the land. Right. So, yeah. And then Spanish became our language because it was integration. Mm -hmm. So what is it? So I said, okay, 33% Iberian. I believe it. That's Puerto Rican. Then it said 25% Mesoamerican and Andean. And I looked at it and said, huh? I can understand like 
um, trade and the slave trade and, you know, things, that, you know, things of that nature. But that just seemed like way too high a number. Mm-hmm. So my aunt had actually taken an ancestry, um, ancestry test like three years prior. And she was like, let me compare your results with my results and see. So my heritage is very different from ancestry with the way that they measure DNA. And she was like, nothing is coming up. And I'm supposed to have, I think like 3% Chinese or something like that from my father who raised me side. He has um, Chinese in his family. And I said, there's no way. Yeah, there's no way because I look like your quintessential Latina. I look Puerto Rican. Like mm-hmm. I, you can look at me and go, she's Latina. Right, right. <laughs> so my my aunt was like, she goes, Bianca, with your results here, even if you don't have the Chinese, which could have been washed out, with these results here and my results from ancestry, she basically said, I can say like with confidence that my brother is not your father. And that like killed me. Like those words right then and there, I was like, what? Mm. I didn't want it to be true. Like I knew I was searching and I I was like, please don't let it be true. Please don't let it be true. And then to actually like have my aunt say that, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. So, So she said to me, you need to take the ancestry test. You need to. Because that'll confirm basically you like, I'll probably show up as your DNA matches. And I'm like, let's, let's see, because I, I just think that my heritage, I thought my heritage was wrong. You know, mm-hmm. my heritage is wrong. My heritage results I got November 12th by, I ordered the test for ancestry right after. And I got it in the day before Thanksgiving. I took the test. I put it in. I told my father-in-law to mail it. My father-in-law went to go mail it. Do you know that they lost the test? Oh my gosh. So I had to take this again after waiting so many weeks. So I went to go take it again. I ordered it. I took it. And on March 3rd of this year, I got the results. And I started looking down my ancestry, not the matches first the ancestry results, like the actual um, DNA measurement of cultures. And it had the Spain, the Portugal, it had um, indigenous Puerto Rican, which was a high percent. So I said, that is probably what the Mesoamerican and Andean, because they're measuring indigenous DNA. Right. So I said, I said, okay, but I don't think that what they don't understand is that Mesoamerican is separate from Taino. Like, I, I don't think they have the capability to separate that. She's Latina, so we're going to put her into this category. Mm-hmm. That was my thinking of it. And I said, listen, that's fine. You know, if that's how they measured it, that's okay. So I was like, okay. I look, I keep looking down. I'm like, okay, it seems, it seems like I'm, a, I'm, I'm pretty much what a Puerto Rican is supposed to be, a mutt. <laughs> <laughs> I got yeah. it. Yeah. I got it. I was like, okay, this seems more correct. I was like, this is great. So my aunt goes, okay, wait. She goes, this could mean that your father's your father. I said, yes. And it could have been a mistake. This is great. So her DNA matches come up and the first DNA match to come up is my cousin. And she's like, but where are you? And I told her, I said, Titi, think about it. And she was like, let me call um, ancestry customer service. So she calls ancestry customer service Mm -hmm. and ancestry customer service tells her, 
I don't see a Bianca in any of that um, uh, variety in your matches. My aunt's like, what does that mean? She goes, basically, it means that she's not related to you. And my aunt calls me and she says, I don't know what to say. And I said, there's nothing to say. This just confirmed what you said. How did you feel? I cried in a Starbucks. Mm. I was like, I felt defeated. I felt like I did when I was assaulted. Like, I just felt like my whole world was crashing down. My father kept telling me, he goes, it doesn't, he goes, I don't care. He goes, I don't care. He goes, you're my daughter. So did you call him right away? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I called him when I got my, my heritage results. Okay. Did you have any matches on that side? Oh, yes. Oh, okay. yes. Who did you match with? I matched with a first cousin, which I know with like um, the um, Santa Morgans and the measurements that that is just like a, a guess, a guesstimate of what that per- person could be. So we, right away when I had um, taken the MyHeritage, a DNA search angel help was, is helping me. She still is amazing person because my heritage didn't have like close matches. When, ans- when I got my ancestry results, she started working right away. So I am a part of a family that has half lines, which sucks. <laughs> what is- can you explain what that means for people that don't know? Yes. Yeah, so basically my great, great grandfather was married twice. The first marriage, and then the first marriage is where the line I'm a part of. The second mm-hmm. marriage is where most of my matches are a part of. Okay. And I, th- there's not many of the first line where I'm a part of on Ancestry. Okay. So when I go on Ancestry, I see this and I go, Okay. So I've had actually family from the second half line, the second marriages line, reach out to me. And they kept telling me, you look like this side of my family. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) I don't know your family. So I don't know where I fit in. So my DNA search angel basically broke it down. The lines basically cross. Okay. My maternal and paternal lines cross. So there like, was some inter-family. There was some inter-family. Okay. Yes. And that side of the family is from my mother's grandmother's side of the family. Okay. So I did, I did my mother's line. Like she was doing the paternal side and I was doing my mother's family tree. And I found the name of the, persons, of the person that they said, um, or the family line that they said that I look like. And when I found so many with that name, I was like, what did my mother know? Like, my thing is that my father could be, it could have been a drug addict because of just the way my mother was, mm-hmm. you know, my biological father, he could have been a great man and she could have suckered him. Like, we don't know. We don't know the story. And right now my DNA search angel, she has brought it down to one particular family line with four brothers. Mm. And these four brothers could be my father. Have you made contact with them? I refuse. Okay. At this point, at this point, I told her, 
you do the final confirmation for me. Like you basically just make sure that those are the people you can send messages with, you know, my information. If they want to reach out to me, I can't right now. I can't. Well, it's only been a couple of months. So where do you feel like you're at right now? It's strange because we're so close. We're there. It's like staring at us right in front of our faces. And I just feel like I can't handle right now another parent rejection. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't do it because I still think like if my mother could abandon a four-year-old, why the hell is a father going to want a 33-year-old? And it makes no sense to some people that are listening to this who have never been through it. But I just feel like I'm going to be rejected again. And I thought I could handle that because I was like, listen, I have my father. I have my stepmom. And it's, it is what it is. Like I have my family, you know, the, the family that loves me. But you still feel like that little girl. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of like, even men who have found out about this feel like those children again. Like you feel rejection. Yeah. And you say it's not going to hurt, but it, it's, it's going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. And you don't know how you're going to handle that. Yeah. Well, it's still so recent. It's so recent for you. Yeah. And, you know, they, a lot of people with more experience in this recommend waiting, yeah. you know, and taking yeah. the time to process as much as you can. Yeah. Because I just went from finding out the results to an instant search. Like, and I, I didn't even, I said, listen, if this is what I have, this, you know, and I'm the type of person that when I put my mind to something, I do it and I'm going to find out the truth. And I literally have now told, you know, like I said, my search angel and my family, I was like, I can't do it anymore. It is seriously weighing down on my mental health. Like I, I'm noticing it with my children, you know, I'm noticing it with my husband. I'm noticing it with like, just myself, like, what do you mean by that? Like, I'm a different person. Like, just, I have been, like, just mentally and physically tired. Mm. Now that you know that it could be one of these four brothers, did you mm-hmm. do any digging on the back end to just see who they are and learn anything about them? Or are you staying away from it entirely? So I did. I did. I, I Facebooked them. And I Facebook um, searched them, not Facebook them, but Facebook searched them. And one of them looks like a normal, happy guy with a wife and kids. And the other two that I could find pictures on, I'm telling you right now, I hope they're not my father. Mm. <laughs> I feel bad about that. But I knew going in here that they just look like they're, they're bad. What do you mean by that? You know how they say like you judge a book by its cover? Right, right. Like one of the pictures that I saw of this guy, like you could see by his face that he had been through a lot Mm. in his life. Like he had been through, like, I I don't know it's because of my mom. Like I could tell when a person was a drug addict. Yeah, you've been exposed to it. Exactly. 
like one of them I think is the father. And I was like, Oh God, Oh God, if this is him, he just looks like he's been through it. And what about him or your, your research has made you believe that he could be it? Um, what is it? Because of the family line. So basically we spoke to a person who was like a fourth cousin, but who grew up with those brothers. And she's very sure that one of them is the father. And the only reason why is because my DNA search angel has been like going out and messaging like as many close relatives as she can to skip like little bits of information here and there. She's been actually amazing. No one has, no one's been um, like rude to her. They've been very helpful with family information. Um, and I didn't know that like a lot of people on my paternal side are NPEs. Mm. Before this, I didn't think this was as common. Right. And like, you know, you had that, that um, like, like naive thinking, like, oh my God, like how many could there really be? And then, you know, you read the statistics and you're like, oh my God. And oh, I was cracking up because I said, well, in Hispanic families, that's very common. Right. Where people raise somebody else's child. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and I said, it happens more often than you think. So when I, when she narrowed it down to this family line, she goes, Bianca, I'm pretty sure that this is the family line that we're going to look, that we need to look into. And I was like, holy crap. I could find him by the end of the month. What am I going to say? And, and do I even want to like do this now? Like you have all these emotions and if you're, if you're new to this, like, like me, it's like, do I still want to continue this? Like, I feel like I'm hurting my dad and I feel like, you know, my family is going to think of me differently. Like, how, oh, how could you do this to your dad? They haven't been, they've been very supportive. That's which, what I was going to ask is, is yeah. how, what is your dad's reaction to you searching for your biological father? He asked me anytime I speak to him, he goes, have you had any developments? And I said, no, he goes, okay. He just knows that I need medical information. Um, especially because I, I, um, suffer from a lot of things with like my ovaries and stuff like that. And my mom had six kids and popped them out. Like they, like it was nothing. Mm -hmm. And I have no real medical history on her. My, you know, dad's side of the family, they're no longer part of my medical history. And then them listening to this and then they'd be like, oh, we, but we're your family. They know that they're my family. I love them to death. I will do anything for them. They are amazing. But I need answers. I need the truth. It's like the X-Files. The truth is out there. Yeah. Where? We don't know. But right. <laughs> we have to find the truth. Yeah. And that's all I want. I want the truth because I've been lied to. I've been manipulated. I've been traumatized my entire life by a woman. And even in her grave, she still digs a little deeper. Like my sister S, she found out that her father wasn't her father. So she was an NPE too. She's an NPE too. Have you been able to connect with anyone from, from your biological family? You said some yes. people reached out. Yes. And said that you look like, you know, have you built any relationships? So one, I actually two second cousins and they actually live 
in the next town over from me. And I had no idea. Yeah. So I was at dinner with family one day and we were were Facebook friends now. And um, she says to me, you're in my neighborhood. And I said, I thought you lived in the Bronx. She goes, no, I live in, you know, so-and-so. I'm like, oh my God. And she said, yeah, for the past 30 years, I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like what? (laughs) So we haven't met up yet only because it's been so crazy for me. It's hard. Even if you live in the next town over for me, like I am so busy most of the time that I think the next thing that I'm going to have to say is we're going to have to video message each other because I can't. Yeah. And just kind of start somewhere. Exactly. Because I have, listen, it's beautiful to find people that are your blood. It's beautiful. You want, you want to have that blood connection. It was also very daunting too, because it was like, I could have known you, you know? Mm-hmm. And my grandmother used to say it best that my mom was like a ball of yarn. And every time you unraveled, something else popped up. Mm. What are your feelings about your mom today? I thought I forgave her a long time ago. And everything is like a fresh wound that opened up. And I just have no, I think, I think I'm numb right now. Yeah. I'm numb. What has been the reaction of your your family? I know you said to your dad, nothing's changed. What about your siblings? Um, I mean, my brother, M. I, I, well, we found out that he never knew who his father was to begin with, but he's also doesn't know, like he was told that his father was one thing um, culturally and he was another thing. So mm. still in the Hispanic race, but he's another thing. So he, he was told his um, father was Dominican and his father's actually Cuban. Okay. And he just told me, Bianca, you have to do what you have to do. But I don't want to know anything about anybody. He doesn't care. Mm. And then um, my brother, my older brother, Jay, we don't have the best relationship at all. Mm. And we don't talk very often. And I love him. And, you know, I want, I want him to be happy. And you know how they say if you have to love somebody from afar? Yeah. Yeah, I have to love him from afar. Because I can't have more drama in my life right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my sister S, who found out about that, she was an NPE. She just said to me, girl, do you? Mm. do what you have to do and my brother my little brother my littlest brother he's in his own little world yeah. <laughs> we don't really talk we don't talk much he's he, it's not because we don't have a you know relationship he he's just in college and right doing his own thing and yeah. you know we didn't grow up together so mm-hmm. you know we're not as close as like let's say the older siblings are mm-hmm. and then i recently found my adopted sister my adopted out sister uh half sister on facebook Mm. and i refuse to reach out to her because i want her to be happy Mm. i don't know if her parents have spoken to her about where she comes from um because you can clearly see that she's latina and she's in mixed in with a um caucasian family so okay yeah (laughs) i don't know if she was told anything yeah 
but I will not, I won't say anything because I'm, I'm going to be very honest with you. I'd rather her parents tell her because it's not my place to tell her. She doesn't know who I am Mm -hmm. and, and I'm not going to spoil a surprise, you know, like spoil that and be like, Hey, I'm your sister. And her go, what? Right. I don't want to do that to her. Plus she's 17 years old. And until she's 18, I couldn't do that to begin with. She's probably happy and she doesn't need to know about all of this right now. Mm-hmm. She doesn't. And she looks like she, she's, she's going to college. And What have you been doing to process all of this? I mean, this is very fresh for you. So how are you working through it? Um, writing. I just wrote my autobiography. Mm. And I put it all down on paper. So I just like when us talking right now, it's just a a synopsis of everything that has happened. The book has everything. Yeah. And it's called um, Secrets from the Grave. And when I wrote that, uh, it was the most therapeutic thing I've ever done. Just having it written down. For most of my life, creativity was like my outlet. So I'm a makeup artist on the side and um, I have two other businesses. So I keep busy. And I think like me keeping busy and not thinking about it was working for a while. But I really think that I'm going to go with the therapist route because it's just been a lot. Yeah. A lot of trauma in your life. Yeah. So, and my husband's been a great support. I just think that like, me sitting down, having this hour or whatever to myself with a therapist will really like give me clarity and just weight lifted, like lifted off my shoulder. Mm-hmm. Well, please, um, after this, send me the link to your book and, and I'll be sure to yes. put it in the show notes for everyone. What advice would you give a parent who is keeping a DNA surprise from their child? Tell your child when they're a teenager. I'm not going to say because it, it's, it's a lot for a little kid. It is. It's a lot for a little kid. But please tell your children early enough that they don't go into adulthood traumatized. It's, it's too much. It really is, especially when you have like families and something. It's, it's too much. Be honest. Because at the end of the day, with the internet, and all these DNA tests that are coming out, and there's more, this is not the end of them. Your child's going to know. And when your child asks you before they take that test as a joke, maybe sit them down and tell them. And what advice would you give someone who just discovered that they're an NPE? Breathe. Because this journey is long. It does get better. But at the beginning, you're going to feel hopeless and you're going to feel like everything's falling apart. I would say I wish that I didn't search so, as fast. Mm-hmm. I wish I didn't start the search as fast. I wish that I took time to process the information because finding out like just little things here and there, it's daunting. It's just a lot thrown at you. So breathe. Take a second to grieve. Don't let anybody tell you that what you're feeling is an inadequate feeling 
It's not. You have every right to feel the way that you feel. And if you need to talk to somebody, please join all those support groups. <laughs> they yeah. have been a godsend. Yeah. There are a lot so, out there yes. on Facebook and things now. Yes. Yes. If you can't talk to your family, talk to a therapist, talk to somebody with an unbiased opinion. Mm. Someone who doesn't know. Because sometimes talking to somebody who doesn't know and getting your perspective and their perspective, it helps. Yeah. It does. It helps. That's great advice. Well, Bianca, thank you for your vulnerability and sharing your story. Um, I know it was difficult and a lot to mm -hmm. relive through the telling of your story. So thank you for for being so open and honest about what your journey has been like. And You're very welcome. I hope that you find peace and resolution with whatever route you decide to take in connecting or not with your biological mm -hmm. family and that your relationship with your raised family um, is continuing to be positive in the future. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Bianca for sharing her story. If you have a DNA surprise story that you'd like to share, please email dnasurprises at gmail.com. And if you haven't yet, please rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Until next time. <laughs>